apologize. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. I have a plan. You've got a plan. I have part of a plan. It's your weekly dose of all things geeky. Class is paying 101. The instructor's Casey Jones. Movies, comic books, movies based on comic books. Excelsior! Video games, toys, TV shows. Professional wrestling. It's still real to me, damn it! <laughs> All the things you got made fun of for in high school. Come on, you fuckers think that just because a guy reads comics he can't start some shit? So grab your action figures, bag and board your comics, and roll for initiative. It's time to talk nerdy to me. Because it doesn't quite fit with today's topic. Instead, I'm just going to simply say, <clears throat> uh, glory and long life to the Andorian Empire. <laughs> uh, one of you more appropriately, uh, beam us up, Scotty. This is, I promise, an all-new episode of Talk 92 Electric Boogaloo. Uh, I am your host, Obi-John Kenobi. With me uh, in the transporter on this very small away team. That is the show this week. Commander Scott. Hello. It is very small. I, I uh, started using terms like uh, asymmetrical peristaltic field manipulation and scared everyone off. I humbly apologize for that. Now, the techno babble does exactly what it's, it is. It uh, separates the nerds from the geeks because uh, the show is talk nerdy to me. Uh, and uh, Scott is the man that keeps the nerdy and talk nerdy. And today's going to be super nerdy. We are in uh, the second episode of what is our sort of show within a show, uh, a recurring topic, I guess you could call it. Uh, Julian and myself did a whole breakdown a few weeks ago of the state of Star Wars and how we think the franchise is going, the direction it's going in, uh, what we like, what we don't like. Uh, it was a fun episode. We got a lot of cool feedback. So we're going to try it again because like everything in Hollywood, if it works once, keep doing it until it's dead. And then try it a few more times. Uh, so this is a very special episode of Talk Nerdy to Me. Today, Commander Scott and I are discussing the state of Star Trek. And holy crap, where to start. Uh, there's there's a lot to, to dive into here. Um, I told Commander Scott to start the show, this, this sets a record for most pages of notes taken for a single show. I think I'm at four or five pages uh, I was gonna say you, you said you'd taken five pages of notes, Four. but you're okay because your thing says three of nine. That's the the date is three four. Oh, okay. I thought it was like a Borg designation. Like no, it was third no, of no, nine no. there or something. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not a Borg. Uh, I think I'm too emotional to be a Borg. That's, uh, that's, that was a, uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> so I uh, know four pages of notes this week. One of which is literally just trying to figure out the copyright uh, issue of. Who the hell owns Trek? But we'll get to that down Trek the road. is owned by the fans. Sure it is. <laughs> we'll talk about that lawsuit in a little bit, too. Uh, so we're going to start with, I'm going to try to keep this, um, if this episode proves popular, I've got a whole laundry list of other franchises we can do this on. We're going to essentially take a deep dive into the current state of uh, an IP or a franchise we like. So I'm going to try to keep the format fairly steady. So we're going to follow the same format we did for Star Wars. 
first, we're going to talk about the trek we have gotten over the last few years. Now, Star Wars, we just did the last year. I'm expanding that a bit for Star Trek because there's a couple of things I really want to talk about well, that are outside of the last year. Well, when it comes to you know what we currently have with, with Star Trek, you've got, in my opinion, you've got like four different eras now of Trek. We've got the original series, Star Trek and Trek, and then we have the era of Next Gen, which includes Next Gen, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and Enterprise. And now, and, and then we had the the Abrams verse era. Yes, I know it's called the Kelvin timeline, but we had that era of, of those movies. Uh, and now we have uh, the Discovery era. Is is you know we've got all the the CBS All Access stuff. So covering and opening it up to not just a year, but to what we have now as far as that. So era. I want to track back a little bit. Sorry, track back a little bit. <coughs> I <laughs> see what you did there. Uh, I got jokes. Um, 2016. Back even further, 2009, Trek got a fresh coat of paint, uh, a brand new timeline. It got what I think is one of the best franchise reboots ever. Yeah, it uh, good. It, 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 you recast the original Star Trek cast, you did. Uh, and I think by and large, everyone nailed it. Uh, I, don't, I don't really have any complaints about any of the new cast in their roles. I think they're all doing a great job. Um, it, it brought a more adventure movie. Uh, Ness to Star Trek. I saw it eleven times in theaters. There you go. That's all. That says I mean, all you need was, to know right there. My parents I, went and saw this I, movie. I, I tell you, I mean, just I would have gone eleven times to see it in theaters just for that opening sequence. Oh yeah, that opening sequence was phenomenal. Captain Thor, uh, killing it. <laughs> Captain Thor. <laughs> yep. He wasn't Thor yet. Yeah, anyway, um, <laughs> Captain Guy from Cabin in the Woods was killing it. <laughs> So the, the movie did uh, tremendous numbers. It, it brought back Trek to the mainstream. A lot of the things J.J. Abrams did were great. One thing I will always give him credit for is he found a way to completely reboot Trek without eschewing or getting rid of any of the original yes. series stuff. In yeah, the yeah. universe, found a way to reset their own universe. Yes. And that without, is... Yeah, destroying the Prime timeline or anything, keeping it as a completely separate timeline. Because when I saw it at the end of the movie, and spoilers, even though it's... For a movie that's... 11 uh, years old. Yeah. Um, when, when we have the Narada and the Enterprise facing off and the Red Matter explodes and we have the, the yeah. huge thing, I thought, oh, okay, this is where we, we reset, Vulcan comes back, everything's done. But then, you know, he, he leaves it, and I'm like, oh, we're leaving the timeline intact. Interesting. I was, I was quite happy with that. <clears throat> and uh, even though there are some uh, more boring um, copyright involving reasons for why they had to do it that way, it was a great way to do it mm -hmm. because now you've got a fresh... Uh, Brand new, fresh canvas with which to play with these characters. You're not beholden to anything that's come before or after. You're not taking a dump on anything that came before or after because that's all still intact. It's just a prior timeline. Yeah. Uh, it was a great thing that only a science fiction movie could take advantage of. I think the close, next closest we could maybe come to is um, X-Men Days of Future Past where they did kind of the same thing and reset their own timeline. They did, and uh, Days of Future Past probably my 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 favorite after just x-men um for obvious reasons but and x-men is on the list of movies to talk about for state of the franchise because yeah. uh, there's some interesting crap going on with that but um <clears throat> both x-men and star trek i think suffer from the same problem which is you found a way to course correct 
completely restructure your timeline, give yourself a brand new, fresh start. And then the first thing right out of the gate that you do is reboot an old story that's maybe already arguably <laughs> done better. Uh, so after 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 Into Darkness came out uh, and everything, I, uh, I I made the statement several several times that I I love JJ Abrams. He's a, he's a great idea man. Yes, he comes in, he he knows what's going on, and and he puts the ideas out and everything. And I, I made the statement that JJ Abrams really needs to come in. Set the scene with the first movie, you know, do do all the stuff, put everything in place, and then after that, leave it to somebody else. And I made that statement all the way up until The Last Jedi, and I <laughs> found out I was wrong. <laughs> but uh, when it comes to the, the, the Abrams movies, uh, my favorite thing, see if you can guess my favorite thing of all time from uh, from those movies. Okay, from Into Darkness? Well, uh, the, 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 Kelvin, the Kelvin timeline, the... The Abrams revamp. Okay. My, my favorite thing that he did. Uh, is it uh, Chekhov, uh, Wichter, Wichter? No, that would be the opposite end of the spectrum. Oh, yeah. okay, okay, okay. Uh, the part where we redo the scene from Wrath of Khan, only this time Spock and Kirk are reversed. No, I was okay um, with that. I mean, I, I would I would have not wanted them to do con. Was it the giant green space hand at the end of the credits of Star Trek Beyond? That was good. That was good, but it's that not my, my favorite. favorite. Not okay. my favorite. Okay. No, that's yours. Uh, the inclusion of the song Sabotage by Beastie Boys. No. <laughs> no. But the fact that they revisited it and kind of bookended the yep. series with, with, with that, you know. The Kelvin Suits? The Kelvin I'm just naming things I like. Yeah, this, this, yeah. Is, yeah. this is all stuff you like. No, no. My favorite thing in the entire thing that Abrams did was the window on the bridge. You talked about that. I should yes. have known that. Yeah. God, I love that window on the bridge. Because it makes no sense in the rest of Trek. We, we have a view screen that is completely relied on sensors and, and electronic data feeds coming in. The minute sensors go down, guess what? Your entire command staff cannot pilot that ship. You are completely dead in the water. You got nothing. You're staring at a wall. Makes no sense to me. Now, we got a window. I can at least say, as a captain, point the ship that way. <laughs> it reminds me of, was it the right stuff? Uh, when the astronauts demand a window yes. on, the, on the, not the capsule, the spacecraft. The spacecraft, yes. Because they, they didn't, no, it's not the capsule, it's the spacecraft. And I want a fucking window. <laughs> yep. We can't see anything. We got <laughs> instruments. What if they don't work? Yep. <laughs> exactly. So that window, love that window to death. So I bring that up just to say that we we not in the not too distant past were running a new crest of Trek popularity. The movies were back making big money. Uh, we both are not huge fans of Into Darkness, but it made lots of money. We were both pleasantly surprised, I think, by Star Trek Beyond. Uh, yeah, it's, I, it's, I like it was an original story. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of action, you know, and and I know the director got a lot of flack online because the, the same guy did Fast and Furious, yes, right? So, Justin Lin. Yeah, so he, he got a lot of a lot of flack of Fast and Furious in space, but he, I, in my opinion, he did really great with with Beyond because first of all, we, we we split the characters up, but we don't split them up. We split them up in odd groups. Yes, not the groups you'd normally see them together. Yes. And I liked that. It gave, gave us a chance to explore other characters and see how they interact with each other, things of that nature. So I think what really benefited Beyond, uh, and we, we'll talk about how criminally underrated it is, uh, it, it underperformed very uh, very soon. But it was written by Simon Pegg 
and his writing partner, whose name I forgot to write down on the four pages of the notes. Uh, <laughs> but they literally were rewatching original Trek while writing this script because their goal was to break down Star Trek to its core and build it back up again. Yeah. And I think they nailed it. Uh, Beyond Star Trek Beyond is my favorite of the Kelvin timeline, uh, the, the Abrams verse, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I think it's a perfect balance between character and action and the Trekisms you expect. It also goes a little bit into the history of the world a bit. You know, it deals with things like the Makos and yeah. and, and it, the it world brings before the Federation. Yeah, brings back stuff from Enterprise. Um, and everything. Um, oh, what was it? I was just thinking of something popped in my head, and now it's completely gone. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Great talking point. Appreciate that. Yep. Uh, so, it came out in 2016, which was, as everyone I'm sure knows, because Paramount did such a great job of advertising it, was the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. Yeah. You can't see, but Scott is rolling his eyes so hard right now. Uh, because I'm being sarcastic as hell. Uh, Paramount did shit to promote the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. To capitalize on the 50th anniversary at all. Other Uh, than making the poster for Beyond Ape, the poster for the motion picture. Which, in my opinion, was an awesome poster. It's hanging on my wall. I love it. Um, It's the reason I have two copies of uh, (laughs) Star Trek Beyond. (laughs) Gotta get that cover. Yeah. No, no, I know what I was going to say. Going back to Simon Pegg's uh, um, treatment of the movie and everything, writing... He did a fabulous job. Also, if you add in the caveat that he was given the directive to make it not too much Trek-like. Make it less Star Trek-y. Yes, make it less Star Trek-y. And he still, I think, delivered a a really good story and a really good script. And that statement should say all you need to know about the condition the franchise was in at that time when the heads of Paramount are telling their actor-slash-writer, hey, make this less Star Trek-y. It's... Star, it's, it's Trek. Star Trek, yeah. Uh, that's where it's, it, it, we don't want to start. That statement blows my mind as much as um, if you listen to Kevin Smith talk about his his story history of uh, working on Superman Returns, the caveats he was given uh, after he wrote his first draft was, "I don't want to see Superman in the suit; it looks too faggy." Quote unquote. Uh, I don't want to see him fly, and he has to fight a giant spider in the third act. And it's like, uh, it, this is. Superman, yeah, Superman movie, yeah. and you don't want to see him fly or wear, wear the, the iconic, suit. the suit. most iconic super suit ever, as discussed on a previous episode of the show. Uh, yep. Okay, sure. Yeah, uh, that just that. that screams to people who are in control of this have no fucking clue what they have. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, hell, you can all, you can tell that just because of the lack of merchandising from Trek, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> yes, we will. Um, so, but uh, no, no. I, um, uh, one thing I loved with with in Beyond. Even though Simon Pegg is, is my least favorite of the new cast. Okay. Love Simon Pegg. I'm not trying to knock what he did. He does a good job. But uh, his treatment of Scotty in that was beautiful. Because only Scotty, only Montgomery Scott could escape a dying starship inside a torpedo. Yeah. On the fly. Of course. Love that. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, that, if you haven't seen it, please go watch Beyond. It is criminally underserved in the theaters um, and reflectively so the movie had a reported budget of 185 million uh you can probably double that for a poster what the actual price tag was and include marketing and distribution and all that 
Uh, it only brought in three hundred and forty-three million worldwide. I'm not great at the maths, <laughs> but one eighty-five times two, I think, is more than three hundred and forty-three. I think so as well. Yeah, uh, it's at least three hundred forty-five. Estimates were the studio lost anywhere uh, between a hundred and a hundred and thirty million dollars on this movie. Um, audiences didn't hate it it has a rotten tomatoes score of 86 with an audience score of 80 yeah that's, I mean, that's pretty good as far as track movies they yeah. obviously we obviously disliked into darkness <laughs> more and it they're, made they're more money far worse yeah well that's the thing is is a sequel always does as well as the previous movie in the series so people were surprised and really enjoyed the 09 trek mm-hmm. so we went to go see into darkness we did not like Into Darkness so much, so Beyond came around. Yeah, I'm done. I'm okay. The last one sucked. I don't really care about this one. Uh, you see that again and again and again. Um, Iron Man and Iron Man Two did great. Iron Man Three, even though it made great money, I think is the worst, one of the worst movies in the MCU. Uh, but people flocked like to 3. see it. <laughs> oh, yeah, <you> Travis. <laughs> Uh, but people will always go see a franchise movie based on how well the last movie in that franchise did. And Iron Man 3 had the lead-in of The Avengers. The Avengers, yeah. So whatever Marvel put out after The Avengers was going to make money. Um, sadly, it was not the poor Rich Man movie. But Well, you know, what is? So coming off of the box office failure of Star Trek Beyond, is where things start to get a bit muddy. Well, we, we don't really have any Trek after Beyond for several years. Um, and honestly, I, if it wasn't for um, the the current dilactic shift going into streaming services, I don't think we'd still have Trek. I agree Beyond. with you, yeah. Uh, Paramount struggled and is still struggling and will never get a star, fourth Star Trek film made. I disagree with that. Okay, we'll get into that. I got that. So we're, we're just covering what's, what we've gotten. Yeah. So the next big thing for Trek is Star Trek Discovery. The mm. streaming service, uh, so the, the uh, new Star Trek series to launch the CBS All Access streaming service. Uh, CBS looked at its pl- portfolio and said, oh yeah, we own Star Trek. We forgot about that. <laughs> well, get people to watch this streaming service, give them a new Star Trek show. Give them Star Trek. Um Trekkies will pay for it. Yeah, it started in 2017 with season one. Season one of Discovery. Uh, A lot of ups and downs? Well, you know, I don't... (laughs) (laughs) Nope, perfect review. (laughs) Perfect review right there. (laughs) I don't know. Um, I don't know about ups and downs. Um, Because, so first of all, when I watched Discovery, uh, everybody watched Discovery, part of me, every time I watched an episode... I was like, WTF? What the fuck am I watching? What is this? But at the end of every episode, I'm always like, you bastards, what happens next? They told a great story. They did. Visually, it was as far removed from anything we had seen before as Next Gen was from the original series. And I kind of get now a little bit more why the original series fans from the 60s were so uh, adamantly against Next Gen when it premiered because it was so radical different um but you know i mean so yeah like on on my uh i've got some notes here and Mm -hmm. stuff you know you visually the the ships ships look great i love the ships in this you can tell they're definitely inspired by the alien force Uh 
uh, and everything. Uniforms. Uniforms radically different. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I can I can live with it. Then you get these Klingons that. Wait, these are Klingons. <laughs> but okay, sure. That I'm I'm not getting the Klingon thing. Um, and even the Klingon ships. The Klingon ships did not look like Klingon ships. The Klingon ships looked like uh, the Flying Dutchman out of uh, uh, the the pirate Pirates series. The yeah. Uh, they just look like they were covered in barnacles all over the place and stuff. And I, the, yeah, the, the sarcophagus, the death ship had had literally sarcophaguses all over it. But that was that was the only one. The rest of them still didn't look right. They weren't uh, they weren't there. Overall, though, like I said, the story was very good. It was great for me once we got to the Mirror Universe. Everything up to there, I was kind of bored. Really? Yeah. I wasn't bored. Uh, I had some what the fuck moments. There were plenty of those, because those first few episodes are very throw everything at the wall, and then we'll we'll tie it together later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, where it clicked, where I started having fun and enjoying the show, was when we got to the Mirror Universe, because I love the Mirror Universe and the Terran Empire and all that kind of stuff. And and this gave us a very long, was it three or four episodes in that that Mirror Universe to to play with. Yeah, was it more than that? It felt like more than that, but it may have been only four. I had to go back and look. But yeah, they did a great job with the Mirror Universe mm-hmm. uh, and everything. And, and tying everything back around to where we... Spoilers for Season 1 of Discovery, if you haven't watched it. When we find yes. out... Big twist, like, uh, Giorgio is still alive, kind of. It's the evil Mirror Universe of Giorgio, who's now yes. in our universe. Uh, we find out that Lorca is really the bad guy of the He's series. He's the bad Lorca, yes. Um, but really, the only thing I really didn't like about it was the whole... Klingon plastic surgery. Now he's a human thing. Yeah, that came out of left field, and it, it felt it felt forced. Yeah, it felt like they just shoehorned it in. Uh, it felt like somebody if somebody had this really great story about the Klingon War and everything, and and them putting a, a Klingon in Starfleet and having him a spy and surgery. You know, because mm. we see that with with Arn Darvin in in Trials and Tribulations. Sure. Um, but and then somebody else had this really great story about this this mirror universe. And they're like, well, it worked for Quentin Tarantino. Let's just let's just shoot, just mash these two together, you know. And, and well, so I kept waiting for because you know as soon as and I forget the the, the character's name, um, Ash Tyler. Thank you. As soon as Tyler gets off the ship, you know the Klingons have done something with him. But I kept expecting it to be oh he's he's the sleeper agent. He's got a, a, a yeah. Uh, brainwashing. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, you know, a trigger where, you know, someone will say something in Klingon and it'll trigger him and he'll, like, sabotage the ship. And yep. that's a, no, apparently he's really a Klingon who just went through drastic plastic well, surgery. Genetic manipulation yeah. and everything. And now yeah. he's a human. Uh, only he doesn't remember it. He has fake memories of being a human. Yeah, because they never say, was there a real Ash Tyler and they made them look, made him look like him? Did they, did they fabricate him from scratch? Because yeah. Lorca vets him. Supposedly, yeah, well, but he's the bad Lorca, so we don't know if he exactly. Or not. Uh, that's where it starts to fall apart. But we did get amazing characters like uh, names. Saru, Saru was fantastic. Saru was good. Uh, Tilly is amazing. Tilly is yeah, great character. Um, and Stamets, I like Stamets. I like Stamets a lot. He starts out as an asshole, uh, but then he gets he, he goes into the psychedelic mushroom universe. <laughs> You know, and he, and he comes out a happy-go-lucky kind of guy. He gets he, decayed a little he, bit. He yeah. mellows, yeah, he does. Um, but yeah, I, I liked uh, I liked all the like all the characters. I mean, I even like Ash Tyler when he's when they're not doing the Klingon the Klingon crap. The yeah. Klingon crap. The, the he got a little more good. interesting. Start of season 
Well, sorry, started season two where he's on Vulcan as a human. Or sorry, not Vulcan. Sorry, yeah, when he's yeah. on Kronos, Kronos as yeah. a, a human, uh, trying to prove his you know, show his worth because they all look down on him because he looks like a human. Yes, that was kind of you know like a, a reverse work kind of storyline. I, I sort kinda, of kind of like if they'd that. explored it, you know, it would have been good. Yeah, uh, but we'll jump right into so season one. Rubbed a lot of fans on the wrong oh, directions for certain reasons. Oh, yeah, we had things like uh, uh, 3D hologram communication. God damn holographic fucking communication system. Hate that shit. Why is Star Wars in my Star Trek? Well, and, and should not be Star Wars in my Star Trek. A lot of the confusion and a lot of the frustration is Discovery is supposed to take place 10 years before Kirk and Spock and the Enterprise in the original series. It does. Uh, it actually starts in 2256. According to them. Yes, according to them, 2256 of the Prime Universe. Yet yes. there's all kinds of technology that we didn't have before then. And I don't mean like stuff technically we can do now, so we put it in there, but like stuff that the ships shouldn't have at that point in time. Other than the holographic communication system, what? Everything for the Klingons looks different because the Kuiper had said they had to. Well, it looks different. Uh-huh. It doesn't mean the technology is. It doesn't mean it's different technology. But none of it comes together. Okay, but but that's 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 an aesthetic thing. That's that's not a continuity thing. Okay, it still pissed people off. It did. Okay, it did. Um, well, the, the big one, and and this was, this was one of my my bigger complaints with season one is that the Klingons have, or at least the Kuvmas Klingons, and of course when you look at the Klingon when it gets spread out has cloaking technology. But in the original series, Klingons don't have cloaking technology until they get it from the Romulans. Uh-huh. And okay. they, when they trade the Romulans for uh, B-7 Warbirds. Don't forget how uh, the Federation won the war with the, uh, the, the Mossy engine teleportation technology. Yes. Uh-huh. But that's a story point. That we never see before or after. That's a story point, and it's, it's, it's actually in the series why we don't see it after. In the second season. Yes, yeah. I mean that, we're just that, talking season one right I, now. I know, I know, but that's the thing. You, from a writing standpoint, uh, as long as at the end of a series, everything is where it needs to be, you can do whatever you want. Completely, you can. Yeah, but should you? Yes. Okay. Yes, you should. Okay. Um, and, and I was completely fine after the holographic communication system does get wrapped up in season two. Well, that segues into what I was talking about. Is what all I was trying to get across here is season one was a bit of a mixed bag. Uh, we were happy to get Trek back on, but a lot of fans were rubbed the wrong way with a lot of weird changes. Yes. Uh, and a lot of aesthetic changes that are just there because the copyright says we have to. Uh, things that don't quite match up. So season two had some heavy lifting to do. It did. And right off the bat, it started sort of retconning its own first season. Right in the first episode. Yeah. It does. It, it it comes out of the gate with it, you know. Um, I mean, first first thing, you know, we have Pike saying, uh, you know, he he tells his chief engineer, uh, was it covet not thy neighbor's starship, uh, Lieutenant? We have the new uniforms. Love those uniforms. Yes, by the which way. apparently were the original design for season for, one of for Discovery. Season one of Discovery, yeah. yes. Because it's the same pattern. You yeah. can tell that. Obviously. Yeah, it's the exact same pattern. They just changed the color scheme up and the, 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 the materials and stuff. And why they made that decision, who knows? I guess somebody said, i got to do stuff different and make my own mark. Okay, whatever. Look, give us these uniforms. We love them. Yeah. Uh, it was purely for merchandise because they were operating off of the alternate copyright and they had to make it 25% different. And 
No, it is 25% different. You got metal pins. Yeah, but have... apparently it wasn't different enough. Bullshit. Yeah, I know. Uh, so season two comes along, and like you already did, Pike pretty much single-handedly saves that entire second season for me. Oh, he does. Uh, Pike is fantastic. From the minute he shows up on screen, yep. Pike is fantastic. He's he's charismatic. He's fun. Yep. The the um, classic style uh, uniforms are a breath of fresh air. Season one was very dark and gritty. Yes, they did lighten it up a lot in that first episode. Yeah, uh, season one was very, uh, look at us, we're serious, uh, DC grimdark shit. Yeah. Season for two. Star Trek. Yes, in season two we get, I was expecting a red thing. Where's my damn red thing? Yeah, uh, Breath of Fresh Air. We bring in uh, a plot element that's brought in uh, or introduced in season one but doesn't really get explored much is that our main hero, um, Ty- not Tyler, uh, Burnham. Burnham is Spock's adopted half sister. Adopted, well, adopted sister. Adopted sister. Adopted human sister. Uh, yeah. So season two, we bring in Spock. Yes, a younger Spock. Yeah, a younger Spock. That well, he's even before he's physically on screen, he's a plot element uh, because he he's gone missing um, or he's on the run. Uh, so it starts to, to tie things up a bit. It starts to take advantage of some things that were introduced in season one and didn't really go anywhere. Uh, and another thing that pissed off fans is, oh, Spock had a sister we never heard about? What the fuck? Uh, yeah, well, in exactly. Star Trek V, he, he had a half-brother he did, we didn't know about. We don't talk about that here, Scott. We will talk you about You take it. your whales <laughs> and your, your deity starships and your GTFO. Um, so yeah, season two, I think, overall was much uh, more well-received. Uh, it, it told... Mostly one consistent story throughout the entire arc of the show, instead of the season one felt very much like two stories, stories. And, yeah, yeah, in groupings of episodes. I really yeah. like two or three episodes was kind of telling its own story. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know you know some people didn't care about the whole uh, Burnham Spock tie-in and things. I didn't mind it; it doesn't bother me. I actually like it because in the first season, we do get that great flashback scene, which actually fleshes out Sarek's character a little yes. bit more. And if you watch it, and, and, and if you actually take these events into play, and then you go forward into Journey to Babel in the original series, um, and then even going forward into Sarek's appearance in The Next Generation, you, you understand more about why he was who he was, what he was trying to accomplish, and why he and Spock were so estranged from each other. For, for a show to go back and do character advancement on a character that's been around since the 60s, I think is phenomenal. No argument here. Uh, so, uh, we're going to move on then to some more recent stuff. Uh, one more recent thing. We'll come back to, to Disco in a minute. Okay. Because, um, <laughs> yeah. Disco. <laughs> Hate that show. Uh, so, just this year, uh, a month and a half ago, um, the much anticipated. Already, uh, it's been a year, I think it's four or five weeks, hasn't it? We're going into episode four, so, so there about you a month, go. yeah. Uh, Star Trek Picard, Star Trek Picard, the pseudo sequel series to the next generation. Uh, yes, the, the follow up, um, reunites some of the TNG cast. Um, the whole hey, remember next generation? Yeah, <laughs> remember Voyager? Yeah, they're still here. Watch this show so. It's kind of hard to, to dive into this because we're still not done with the first season. Not yet. Uh, 
the thoughts thus far. So at this point, we're three episodes into the series? Yes, fourth should come out tomorrow. Okay. I believe. So spoilers for the first three episodes. Yeah, there are going to be spoilers coming out, just so anybody knows. Uh, I've got a lot of stuff here for Picard. Have at it. Yeah, well, so, first of all... You mean Mass Effect Picard? Well, see, you keep saying Mass Effect. Yes. Because you've played Mass yes. Effect. I, I've, I've seen a bit of I've played a little bit, but not nearly what you have, so I don't have that reference. Okay. So we have Patrick Stewart uh-huh. leading a ragtag team of fugitives on a mission against the law for the greater good. Yeah, this is not X-Men in space at all. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the first time you see his pilot slash captain of the ship that he's on... He's Wolverine. <laughs> He's every 13-year-old who wants to be a badass's idea of what a badass is. Uh, shirt off, a wound being fixed yep. up, smoking a cigar, smoking a cigar. Uh, annoyed by his hologram. Yeah, yeah. It's it's full-on 90s Wolverine. Yeah, yeah, straight up. Yeah. I mean, the only thing is we just we just don't have huge we couldn't afford to have Hugh Jackman sitting in the chair. That's 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 the only thing that they they did. They went with Kmart Hugh Jackman. Is, is what they went Sad, but true. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, that being said, uh, the story that they're telling, I think, is very intriguing. Uh, of course, they're tying it back into Data, which if you watch The Next Generation, most of your really good Next Gen episodes are Picard Data episodes. Uh, not that the others didn't have episodes, but the bulk of them throughout the end of the series. And to its credit, uh, this is apparently something that um, Patrick Stewart was adamant about, is that it does not in any way retcon the events of... TNG the series yep. or uh, the film events like Nemesis, Nemesis yeah, and, uh, and that's that was, all still candid. Yeah, and that was one of Brent Spiner's um, yeah they, requirements for 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 being in the not to bring not to bring yeah. Data back, right. not to retcon Data's death. Um, but uh, uh, I've I've got actually quite a few. Yeah, go. Let's have that. One thing I did not like, okay. it really upset me, was uh, well, they bring the character of Echeb back from Chlora from Voyager. Just to uh, just to kill him off in a really brutal way, and it was a yeah. bad ending for Echeb. Totally, you haven't seen Voyager. Who? Okay. Yum nub. Yum nub. Do you remember uh, when, when the episode where we get Seven of Nine? Uh, I think it was last week's episode. Scott, actually. let me tell you how many episodes of Voyager I have watched. No, I'm talking about Picard. Okay. When, when Seven of Nine comes. Yes, yeah, so when she shows up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah when she shows up. Remember, she has that flashback. Yes. Where she's on a board cube. She uh, goes to rescue somebody. She goes to rescue somebody. That's an actual character? Yes. Okay. So that's Echeb. Okay. So in Voyager season... Blah, 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 which I don't uh-huh. remember off yeah. the top of my head. Um, season... They actually... The Voyager rescues uh, uh, children from a board cube okay. that were assimilated. Um, and they uh, they get them... Of course, they, they're disconnected from the, the collective and... and you know, seven of nine becomes kind of a mentor to them because she's gone through the same thing and and everything. And, so that whole um, arc had a lot more emotional baggage than I am at all aware of. Well, that's the thing—you didn't have time because it, it's the same actor. They brought the same actor that's back. That's props to them. That's yeah, awesome. No, yeah, it was great. Um, but the oldest one, his name was Echeb, and the others they actually found like their families and their people when okay. they sent them and they, they sent them home. They couldn't find Echeb. They didn't actually. He chose to stay because he wanted to join Starfleet. Okay. And you find out, hey, look, Echeb joined Starfleet. He's a Starfleet officer. He's great. Echeb's back. We're going to get to... What, what the then... fuck? You just killed Echeb? You killed him? What the fuck, dudes? So, yeah, it was a really bad end, end for Echeb. I didn't... I didn't... It's not that I, I didn't... Dis, I didn't 
dislike it, uh-huh. you know, but it's like I kind of would have liked more. Yeah, because yeah. Buffy, like, does know things. No, I so I should I should preface this. Uh, most of what I know about Star Trek comes from what Scott has told me on various road trips to and from <laughs> conventions. Uh, the only series I've watched all the way through is Enterprise. I've seen most of the original series. I've seen odds and ends of Next Generation. I've seen maybe three episodes of uh, Deep Space Nine. But I did watch a really good documentary all about the making of Deep Space Nine. So I've pretty much seen the whole series now. No. <laughs> No, we'll, we'll, we'll rectify that. Uh, and I have not watched any of Voyager. Uh, Voyager has... Uh, I know a lot of fans... Voyager is kind of like opera when it comes to Trek fans. They love All it I know is, it. yeah, they get stranded out in the Gamma Quadrant. Beta, nope, Zetazoid. Nope, nope, nope. Uh, Delta Quadrant. Delta, there you okay. go. Yeah. And it nerfs the Borg. That's all I know about Oh, it. God, it nerfs the Borg so hard. <laughs> That's all I know it about nerfs Voyager. Them. I mean, by the time Voyager gets done, you know, a, a six-year-old with a hand phaser could, could, could take out entire cubes. Um, but, um, no, they, you know, they, they, they had that. And, and Voyager has some of the best episodes in Trek, and it has some of the worst episodes in Trek. So you can feel that about every Trek series. I don't know. I think every series has some pretty bad episodes. They have bad episodes, yeah. but I'm, I'm talking best and worst. Oh, like, okay, okay, yeah, okay, like, like okay. There's some really great Doctor episodes in, in Voyager. Uh, there's some great, uh, Seven of Nine has some great episodes. It's the Hologram Doctor, right? Yes, yeah. the Holographic Doctor, which is why it doesn't have a name. It's always just called The, the Doctor. doctor. Um, Not to be confused with The Doctor, which is a whole different episode. Which is a, which is a whole different yeah. thing. Um, now, uh, talking about The Doctor... Uh, I did read today that uh, Robert Picardo has officially stated he has been approached to be in Picard season two. You're, you're getting ahead of us. I know, but okay. cool. um, so, um, so I, you know, I like all that. Um, one thing in the series that I loved that we've seen so far. Series of Picard. Yes, Picard. Okay, okay we're back on track. We're, we're, we're on Picard. <laughs> I'm talking about Picard. Um, and I wish they'd have done this more. Because one thing I don't like about Picard is this 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 random ship with this ragtag bunch of characters that we've never seen before because they're all new to the show, which is fine. I, I I don't want them to have rehashed the Picard has to pull the crew out of retirement to go on one last mission for him because they kind of did that in the series finale of Next Generation. They also addressed that within the show Picard itself because as yes. soon as as soon as he declares he's going to go against Starfleet's wishes and, and do this mission anyway. His house assistant Vulcan guy, Romulans. Romulan guy. Yeah, they're both Romulans. Same difference. Uh, Ooh, harsh. <laughs> yeah. At me, Star Trek fans. Um, he immediately says, oh, the old crew. So Riker, and, and he starts naming off TNG. Yeah, he's like, he's yeah. like, they'll, they'll be yeah. with you in a heartbeat. And Picard says, I know they would, which is why I can't ask which them to do that. Which is why I can't ask And I like that. I love that, that they're giving us new characters and, and everything. Because it's not just a rehash. But... One thing they stuck in there, and I wish they'd have done more, is when Picard needs medical approval to go back out into space, um, he doesn't go to Crusher. He goes to his doctor from the Stargazer. And granted, it's still a new character because we've never seen this character before, but that's what I wish they would have done, is he doesn't go get the Enterprise crew. I would have loved for him to pull the the Stargazer Stargazer crew crew back together. It would have been new characters. He wasn't the captain of Stargazer, but it was his. He was was, It was his first command. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, And I would have liked for them to have have pulled some kind of an an older uh, Starfleet vessel 
Because that's one thing I'm not liking. I'm not liking the lack of Starfleet Crisis. And I will say that right now. So, <clears throat> yeah. And granted, we're only three episodes in, so this could all change. Uh, but as of right now, it does not feel, to me anyway, like a Star Trek show. And part of that is, the certain when you say Star Trek, certain things come to mind. Mm-hmm. We've we've been to Federation headquarters. We've yep. seen some cool new Federation uniforms. Yeah, uh, but I'm the for Visitor's the, Man. Yeah, by the way, sorry. <laughs> for the most part, though, this is people not associated with the Federation, not associated with Starfleet. Yeah, it is like you said, a ragtag group of people randomly thrown together on an unregistered. Do, do we even know what kind of ship it is? Not that I've seen. I've yeah, seen exactly. nothing on the, the class or ship. But it's so, obviously it's a it's it's a it's a private vessel. Yeah. The captain owns it and operates it. You know. We know it's unregistered, whatever yeah. the hell that means. Never exactly. uh, so all the trappings you would associate from a Star Trek series are missing. They're not there, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it makes it it feels a bit awkward. It does. Uh, if this is supposed to be the last ride of Picard. Yeah, I'd like to, and, and part of it is, is spoilers, they're introducing this weird element of the Federation may be part of the problem, which w- without getting too deep into yeah. plot spoilers. Well, see, that's the thing. If you had had Picard pulling together his old crew from the Stargazer. Who are all retired now. Who are all now, retired now yeah. and everything, then you've got that, Then then and, and you're on an older Starfleet vessel that, that they've uh, obtained whatever, um... Then you have that you have that di- dichotomy of old school Starfleet versus the new corrupt Starfleet, the the, the bad corporation Starfleet. You know, uh, I think that would have played very well. That would have been cool. Uh, and, and and once again, you have new characters because we've never really seen any of his his his. And some of them the have tried to go back and, and retcon into. That he does have a relationship with them, we just haven't seen that relationship yeah, like, yet. What's her name that I can't remember? Her name, the the chick. Yep. Yeah, that he, she's sure a character. Exactly. Ah, uh, yeah, I know you're talking about. Yeah, sorry, yeah. we didn't. Apparently, we didn't take good enough notes about character names. But, uh, uh, but <laughs> basically, she was like his assistant or her something worked under him. Yeah, he yeah. Was an admiral. He was an admiral. Yeah. yeah, I think it was his aide. Okay. At least that's the way I gathered from the one yeah. episode we had yeah, the flashback. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, and, and of course she feels betrayed by Picard. And, but she agrees to take the mission. We find out because apparently she has a son and she was a bad mom and now she drinks. Yeah. So, and then um, Romulan ninja guy. I kind of like Romulan ninja. Guy. I have zero complaints so far. Uh, but they they tie in that he knew Picard when he was younger. Yes. And Picard gave him a copy of and I love this plot point of the Three Musketeers. Yes. <laughs> and then well, and then pieced out for fourteen years. Well, and and. That's one thing I do like about what's going on with Picard is is we're getting to see a little bit more of the the actual Romulan culture mm-hmm. that was never developed in any other. Yeah, we know about the military state, we know about the Tal Shiar, but we don't know a lot about Romulan culture, like the actual people and the the religions and the, the what what makes them a people. Um, and uh, so we're getting to see a little bit of that. We're getting to see how they're dealing with the, the scattering of the Romulan people after the destruction of the Hobus Star uh, and the destruction of Romulus uh, and Remus. Um, which, if you'll notice, in, uh, in the, the one scene where uh, we get uh, Picard going into that, uh, that Romulan hall and you have the, the Romulan seal is, is up on the, 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 the wall. Uh-huh. If you'll notice, the Bird of Prey does not have 
Romulus and Remus and its talons because they're gone now. So the, the, the Romulan ah. seal has been redesigned. That's cool. Minus Romulus and Remus. Um, but uh, we're getting to see that. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm liking that. That's, that's pretty cool. No, I don't I don't hate Picard so far. It still feels like we're very much in Act 1 or whatever story they're trying to tell. We're still putting the band together. Yes. Uh, we haven't really... As far as I remember, the last episode ends with them shooting off to like light speed to go to somewhere. Yes. Uh, we, we most definitely light speed. Light speed's good. Uh, I forget where they were headed. Uh, are they going to the Borg cube? No, 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 no. Fine, no, no they're going somewhere no, else. They're, they, they're looking been, for the doctor. They've been to the Borg cube. They found Maddox. Apparently, I forgot about that. Yeah, so they they find Maddox. They rescue him, um, and they find out that Soji is on the well. She is at the uh, the Borg reclamation site, working for the Borg reclamation project, which we find out is a of course through the through what other things we've seen, it is a defunct, uh, shutdown Borg cube in Romulan space under the control of Romulans. However, there is a joint organization uh, of which Q runs um, where they are um, de-Borgifying, de-assimilating yes, yes. Uh, former Borg drones. And even though they are, excuse me, the reclaimed, um, they're not allowed to leave the cube. So they're, they're still there. They're trying to figure out what to do with them. Um, and I love when, when they're going there and they're trying to figure out uh, how to get in, you know, because it's deep within, you know, Romulan space. And the guy's like, look, I, I don't, I, we can't go there because, you know, we need something. And they're like, well, what about a disguise? Because it's still where Romulans dropping off medical supplies. They basically run through the tropes yes. of, of what a show in this would, would do. And Picard says, no, we can't do that. We got to go straight in. There's no way I won't be recognized. The minute I step off this ship, <laughs> and so they have to go the the official route and get diplomatic uh, credentials for him, and he only gets a twenty four hour pass. But then we get on the board cube, and Picard gets to uh, Q, who is I might be an episode behind. Okay, I don't remember him meeting Q. Yeah, now do you know who Q is? Yes. Okay, from Next Gen. Yes. So I'm going to give you a spoiler. Um, so he 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 Picard gets to Q. And he's like, you know, he's, he's basically like, I need to find Soji, you know. And he's like, oh, yeah, Dr. Soji, blah, 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 blah. And uh, he's like, oh, you know her. Yeah, she's been doing work and like that. And he pulls it up and uh, he says, uh, he says, huh, uh, according to this, she's not on the cube. And Picard says, she's not on the cube or something like that. And he says, yes, well, somebody's concealing her. Um, he's like, it's imperative that we have to find her now. Hugh doesn't ask questions. Whatever you need, let's do it. It's just he is right there with Picard, and completely loyal to him. I love that. It's cool. it just a great, great thing. So I'm not being unless the last thing I remember they were going off to find her. Ah, so they okay. just picked up seven of nine. Uh, yes. Yeah. And now we're so yeah. they they have made it to to the cube. I am an episode behind, so my bad. Uh, uh So okay, Picard, for the most part so far, again a bit of a mixed bag. It's not terrible. Yeah. But we're not done with it yet, so not we can't really put a, a seal on it or not. Um, but, so what we've gotten thus far <coughs> of Trek, and it's not nothing. Um, I wish Beyond would have done better. Um, I enjoyed season two of Discovery. I enjoyed bits and pieces of the season one of Discovery. Uh, Picard has been interesting so far. 
So we are at least in better place than we were ten years ago when all we had was the movies and nothing else. And nothing else. I think so. I, I think we're we're in a much better place than we were in two thousand nine. Um, and I think even we're we're even in a better place than we were at the uh, at the end of uh, Into Darkness. Okay. Uh, I, I choose to see Beyond as an uptick instead of a down. Oh, I do too. Yeah, fully. But yeah. Uh, so that being said, let's look to what we know is coming down the pipeline for more Trek. Uh, these are the known unknowns. Later we'll get into the unknown unknowns. The unknown Shit, we unknowns. don't know, we don't know. Uh, uh, so first deep. of all, season three, or sorry, Discovery is getting a third season. It is. As of the time of this recording, there is still no set release date, but nope. there is a trailer, yep. so they're at least filming. Yep, they filmed. Uh, I think they've wrapped pretty much all the I would hope by now. They've been shooting for a while. You'd think. So, season three looks like it's going to be very, again, drastically different story-wise. Yeah, but they've... they've, they've because of where they let themselves it, off in exactly. season two. Yeah, so purportedly, according to the trailer and everything, it, uh, it, it they've shot forward 900 years into the future. So this is going to put them around 3168-ish. Correct me if I'm wrong, this is the furthest forward in the Trek timeline a series has been set in. So this is way this is past Picard and yes. TNG. This is way past them. So the the latest that we've seen we may have to look it up because uh, Captain Braxton comes from 29th century Starfleet. And what series is that? Uh, that's Voyager. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a couple episodes where you meet Captain Braxton uh, who commands the the time ship um, from 29th century Starfleet, and they have okay. a, they have a temporal time directive. Okay. Um, and then you have Daniels in Enterprise, but I forget what century now, he is. Now, not from. counting people who have traveled from the future back into a present timeline. This is a series set in a future timeline. Yes, we yes. So yes. as far the, as an actual setting, the furthest this forward the furthest, we've gone. Yeah, it'll be the thirty, the thirtieth century. Um. Which is honestly where no, I wish they would have... 32nd century, sorry. The direction I wish they would have gone with the new Trek series to begin with is let's just go in the future past everything that's yeah. come before us so we have a blank slate to play well, with. Well, and that was that was one of the things I think was proposed to them when they were developing the series was let's see what happens. And one of the proposals that I know that I read, of course, keep in mind, I don't know the source, but was that it was supposed to be set like a thousand years in the future um, and uh, the Federation had collapsed and basically they were just going to wipe the slate clean completely on... on same track and, and rebuild so i think because of what they did with you know season how season one and then two i think they're like you know what let's 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 go do that and they they shot them forward um now there was i don't know if you've watched any of them or not but the cbs all access has also put on these things called short treks are there new short treks yes okay yes so there's in between seasons uh one and two of discovery they did like four or five short treks, which are only like 10, 12 minutes long or something like that. And they, they all have something to do with season two, with the exception of one. There is an episode of short treks where it's in the far future, and there's a gentleman, I forget his name, um, who um, is, uh, he has a distress signal, and he is brought aboard Discovery. He's rescued by Discovery. But he gets off his ship and he finds out that Discovery is abandoned. It's completely empty. He's able to talk to the computer and the computer will respond to him. And you find out that Discovery has been sitting dormant um, and abandoned for a thousand years. 
and the computer has become sentient and calls itself sexy. Now, now there we go. It's all sexy. Uh, what is coming up? Anyway, okay. Uh, it's giving itself a name. Okay. Um, now he's trying to get home, uh, and the the computer, even though she's you know keeping him alive and you know, stuff like that, because he's 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 on discovery for a few months, and he's trying to get home. Of course, his ship was damaged. Um, discovery can't take him home um, because its last its last orders that it was given that it has to obey was to maintain temperature. So okay. Uh, at first, of course, when you see that short track going into season two, you think, oh, wow, it's a thousand years in the future. Well, apparently not. Apparently it's 2,000 years in the future because we jumped 900 yeah. for this one. Huh. So, Okay. Yeah. Or somebody fucked up on the math. At, at <laughs> some point, at some point before the series ends, and granted, you could leave it open for if you want to do a movie or something, but at some point, the crew has to abandon the ship. That's well, the ship itself is a problem because the whole mycelial network engine, whatever you want to call it, where the ship can literally just w- teleport through space. Yes, it jumps from one point to another almost instantaneously, making warp obsolete. Yes, and would radically change the the entire course of yes. history for Trek. If it wasn't for the fact that we found out that the drive actually damages the mycelial network, which is why the technology was to be abandoned. Right. You can write it out however you want, but yeah. the ship and this technology somehow has to be written out. Yes. So if we just want to park the ship 2,000 years in the future and, and call it a day, that's a way to write the ship out, but still have it as a dangling plot thread for future stories. For future stories. So we don't know a whole lot other than it's going to be in the future. Uh, the trailer uh, seems, to, seems to indicate they've, they've taken that plot thread of their way in the future Starfleet as we knew uh, as we know it has totally collapsed. Yep. Uh, well, they, they teased uh, uh, old friends, maybe enemies, and old enemies, maybe new allies. Yeah, they're uh, literally just yeah. saying, look, we're going to mess things up. Don't Whatever you know, throw that away. We're tired of dealing with you people. But they no longer have to tie in to yes. any previously established canon so they can do whatever the fuck they want. Once again, the only thing that I think could get them is, is I don't remember what century Daniels is from in Enterprise, because remember, Daniels was part of that temporary Cold War, and I want to say he was in like the 31st century. Right, but isn't them going back in time automatically changed the timeline? So the future they're visiting isn't the same future that Daniel was from? Not necessarily. It's possible. You could write it that way. Because of Wibbledy Bobbledy Time Wandy. Sorry, different Once again, wrong universe. Um, Um, But, but, you know, yeah. Scientific way to say Wibbledy Bobbledy. (laughs) Okay, imagine a string, and you ball the string up. Uh, (laughs) No, um... You're, you're, you're completely correct. They, they could write it that way if they wanted to. Um, but uh, Trek fans are fickle uh, assholes. And, uh, they sure are. <laughs> uh, I can say that because I'm one of them. Um, but, uh, yeah, you, you can write it that way. We'll see how it plays. But it, it's, it's, I'm looking forward to it. I want to see where they go. I want to see what happens. You know, yeah. we, we've literally got a cast of, like, just the, the primary crew on Discovery now. And uh, and whoever they bring in new. And whoever they bring in new. Exactly. So I, 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 I like the fresh slate approach. Um, I'm interested to see where it goes. Uh, the next thing we'll gloss over very quickly because um, season one isn't even finished yet, but Picard has already been picked up for a second season. Uh, sometime in 2021, likely, but again, no dates or concrete information. Yeah. And it was announced that uh, um, while... No contracts have been signed. Nothing's, you know, you know, 
set in stone. Obviously, things can change, but it was announced this this week that both Picard and Discovery are slated for five seasons. The rumor, the last thing I read was that the uh, Stewart was signed for three seasons. Okay, I didn't read anything about signing. I, just, I don't remember where I read that, but it was that his deal was for three seasons. Okay. So, who knows? Yeah. But again, uh, we will be getting more Discovery. We will be getting more Picard. We will. Uh, I think we're both, at this point in time, happy for that. Yeah, I'm happy for it. Yeah. Anytime I'm getting a new Trek, I'm, I'm completely happy. Well, there you go. Um, and like I said, Robert Picardo has said he's been approached to do season two. I don't think any deals have been signed. And take this for what it is, but uh, on The View, Patrick Stewart did officially extend an invite to Whoopi Goldberg I saw that, yeah. to, to come into season two. Which, I mean, of course, she says yes on The View because, I mean, it's, 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 it's on television. She's not going to say no. I um, don't think her schedule will be hard to clear up, is it, all I'm saying. It, it won't be, and I, I think we'll see her, you know. Um, um, one last tidbit before we jump off to the next thing. Uh, season three of Discovery, uh, I can confirm right now, will be the best season ever because of one inclusion. In the trailer, we see shots of. Yes. You know where I'm going with this. I do. Andorians. We see Andorians. And that's one thing. Automatically making it the best of the series. Well, that's one thing that I love about Deep Space Nine and I love about Enterprise. Mm -hmm. Is, like, Deep Space Nine, you saw on the behind the scenes thing, a lot of people gave it flack because they weren't out exploring. Yeah, it was different. It was different. They weren't out exploring. But they're like, oh, that's what Trek is. You got to go explore, get the unknown, stuff like that. Well, when do we get to explore the known? When do we get to flesh out? The, well, the stuff that we know. That's one of the things I love about uh, First Contact is they go to the past, but it's still, for us, the audience, the future. Yes. So, like you're saying, the mundane, day-in, day-out operations of a, a space station to the people in that world is boring and mundane. But to us, the audience, it's still alien races yes. and a space station out in the middle of nowhere yep. next to a black hole. Yep. Like, that's still cool sci-fi shit. Well, it's not really a black hole. A magical god portal. Well, it, it's it's a wormhole. It's an Einstein Rosen bridge, artificially created. By, okay, we're in a space station you know, next to the Bifrost. Got it. Yeah. yeah okay. Exactly. Um, um, a black There's hole. There's a space is, gate is a out there somewhere. Which we lost the DSD. Yeah. Um, but no, and and you know, in Enterprise, we get to flesh out early Klingons. We get to flesh out the Andorians and the Vulcans. Huge, and. I, I consider it a, a lost opportunity that we didn't get that fifth season of Enterprise that was going to you know, delve into the, the just full on to the Andorians. Um, you and me both. A fifth se- and we're just going to go off topic. A fifth season of Enterprise would have been amazing because one of the things I love about Enterprise is the Federation doesn't exist yet. Federation does not and exist. And it is a slow crawl to meeting these races that we know from previous track will become part of the Federation. Yep. But that doesn't necessarily mean we all get along. Nope. Or they all get along with each other, and you see things like the human uh, the Starfleet, the human race, kind of being the go-between for the Vulcans and the Andorians, who have a lot of bad blood together. A lot of bad blood. But somehow we're going to forge that into the Federation. A working relationship. That was an awesome storyline. It was. That got sort of sidelined a bit, and then season four wrapped up, and we just crammed it into one. Okay, we, we built it now. Like, we didn't get to see... You could have done... 
another well, three seasons off of and, it. And that last episode of Enterprise is actually one of Scott Bakula's least favorite episodes of Enterprise. It's, it's not it, an Enterprise. It's not an Enterprise episode. It's a great TNG episode. Well, Surprise! It's a great TNG episode, but... It's a TNG episode. It, it, it's, it's a tie-in to a yeah. TNG. It's not even its own episode. It's, it's a tie-in to the, the, the one with the Pegasus. No, no, there's a Pegasus in, in, in okay. Next Generation okay. as well. Uh, if you haven't watched it, you should, because uh, it deals with, uh, of course, remember uh, Riker in that episode, he's, he's looking for inspiration from this, this mission of Enterprise on the holodeck um, for a situation that he's facing. Okay. Which, if you watch that episode, the, the, the two situations are almost night and day. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't get the, 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 the parallel here. But. It's the Star Trek equivalent. To Dallas waking up and uh, Jr. Yeah, yeah, not Jr. 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 alive taking a shower. Yes, that's uh, that's the Star Trek jumping the shark moment. Uh, but yeah, it was so. I I mean I love Enterprise. That but, and you know. and so Archer is standing up giving this big speech. <laughs> On the inauguration of the the Federation, the, the signing of the Articles of the Federation, and they yes. cut before he gives the speech. Yes, we, we get to the pinnacle moment. We couldn't nothing. even get a nice, cool, epic Archer speech to end the series. No, yeah, we no. cut before we even start speaking. Yep, we right. do. It's okay. Uh, so where were we? Okay, uh, Discovery's getting the season three. Picard's getting the season, season two. Three, yay! Yep. Let's get into some speculation a little bit. Um, Long rumored, kind of more or less confirmed, but hasn't quite started shooting yet, so I still put it in the question category. Section 31. Yes. A spinoff of, Enter- er, of Discovery, sorry. <laughs> Discovery, yeah. Uh, focusing on the shady government organization of Section 31. Yes, which this is something that needs to be explained. Okay. This is yet another Discovery um, miss continuity okay in the fact that apparently everyone knows about section 31 section 31 is a thing like oh yeah hey leland you're my buddy oh you're on section 31 now starfleet intelligence oh okay cool i guess it's good for you but then we flash forward to ds9 which is where section 31 is invented yes this is our first first shot there and no one knows about it so at some point it has to go completely clandestine i didn't want to get into the yeah but uh, there may be explanations for this. I have a habit of jumping the gun on you, don't I? Well, it's, it's, it's <laughs> fine. We're all over the map on this episode. Prime and canon are not necessarily the same thing. And this is where it all gets crazy, confusing, string on maps on the wall. Yeah. Uh, of what's connected where. But So, long story short, uh, until recently... Star Trek was split between two pairs. There was Paramount and there was uh, uh, CBS. CBS. And CBS retained all of the original Trek shows. So the original series, uh, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise. It was all lock, stock, and barrel then. They gave an alternate license deal to Paramount to make new Trek movies, which is where the 2009 Abrams stuff started. Yeah. Well, but, let me finish. Okay. We, as far as I'm aware... Even though this is on CBS All Access, I believe this this uh, discovery is still being made under the alternate timeline or the uh, the alternate uh, copyright. Yeah, so yes. while this is in the quote unquote prime universe, it is not necessarily the same universe as the original series canon. This is the 
prime universe of the Kelvin timeline. Yeah. So yeah. So the the way I explain it. Okay. Is is prior to uh, the early two thousands, Star Trek was was paramount. It was all of it. The movies, TV yes. shows, everything was paramount until they split and, the company. Until they split. Until the Viacom split. When the when 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 CBS went one way and Paramount went the other with the Viacom split, uh, Trek went with CBS. Paramount no longer had it. Uh, and then two thousand nine, of course, they wanted to to do it. Like you said, they cut them a deal, but it was under a completely different license branch and uh, contractually obligated to make it such a percentage difference. Blah blah blah. So. The way I look at it is that you've got anything produced prior to 2009, okay, um, is the Roddenberry-verse. Okay. Okay. Um, and then everything produced under this alternate license, which, like you said, includes the current Picard and um, Discovery, is Abrams-verse. So we have prime timeline Roddenberry verse, mirror universe Roddenberry verse, Kelvin timeline Abrams verse, prime timeline Abrams verse, mirror universe Abrams verse. So yeah, it's two parallel universes with multiple timelines. Are you confused yet? Do you tell why I have so many pages of notes on this shit? Uh, yeah. So and granted, this this all may be a moot point because thankfully, thankfully. At the end of last year, uh, Viacom and CBS, or no, Viacom and Paramount, ended the split. It's all one company again. Yes. So this whole alternate license shit is essentially null and void right now. I don't know about null and void, but I think it's going to take some time to remerge. Yes. Um, But the whole, there's no, they don't, there's no necessitation? That doesn't seem right. There's uh, the whole concept of having to have an alternate uh, copyright to make Trek is no longer a thing that Paramount Paramount needs. Um, I personally think that the showrunners and uh, Alex Kurtzman, whom I love Kurtzman and I love what he's he's trying to do and what he is doing, it was firmly his intention that Discovery is supposed to be in the same continuity as the original series. That's his intention. Yes. I know that. I, I feel that. I know that's what he wants. They did some bumps, but I, th- I think they're getting there. Um, so, yeah. That, that's basically where we're at. Uh, so, anyway, Section 31. Section 31, yes. yes. I forgot where we... That's okay. why I trailed I got off. You. I got uh, Since the end of Season 1 of Discovery, they've talked about uh, taking the uh, uh, Philip Giorgio and the other uh, Section 31 characters and spinning them off into their own series. They even got their own cool little ship in Season 2. Yep. Uh... As far as I'm aware, the current plan is this show will begin filming whenever season three of Discovery wraps. Raps, yes. But as of the time of this recording, no dates for any of this have actually been set. Yeah. Now I did read because you know that um, in the 2019 Viacom, uh, the, the 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 big conference call that they have to to do like State of the Union for the shareholders company. meeting. Yeah, yeah. The, the big call. That it was laid out um, that currently in the works for Trek was um, at least one movie and two new series. That does not include what we're talking about now, Section 31, or the next one that you're going to go to, which is Lower Decks, I assume. But yeah, that does not include those. 
So if all of this does come to fruition, because once again, these are just plans that they have, mm-hmm. um, we'll eventually have six Star Trek series uh, on close to the same time, mm-hmm. if it all pans out. Right. So, yeah. Um, so session 31, are we excited for this? Is it, is this essentially what, Black Ops in, in the Federation? Yeah, yeah, like I said, in, in, in Deep Space Nine, there were some great ones, because first of all, the guy, I guess, I don't know if he was running section 31, or if he was just an operative, uh, who came to, uh, came in to recruit Dr. Bashir, was, uh, Barry, uh, it's not his name, uh, William Sadler, uh, Death from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Okay, yeah. Lean. Don't death. You, gotcha. Death from Bill and Ted. Gotcha. Nah, he's in. Uh, he's in Death Knight. He's in uh, Tales from the Crypt. Death Knight. Demon Knight. Demon Knight. Yeah. Plays the main character. Not Billy Zane. No, not Billy Zane. Okay. Although I love Billy. Zane. You you continue on with your thought. I'll look yeah. up the actor's name. So it was, but it was completely clandestine because nobody had ever heard of Section Thirty One. Um, no one knew what they did, and and every time they tried to officially try to find official channels that didn't exist. They got stonewalled uh, and everything. But in Discovery, everybody knows who Section 31 is and how some of the things they do is a little uh, little, little off and uh, their, their, their tactics are a little weird. So um, I like the character of uh, uh, Empress Giorgio, and I can't say her entire title because it's really long and I can't remember it. Um, I like her character. I like what she does. And I can see her this is something that if if they do it with the series, it'll be great. Is basically um, her taking Section Thirty One and planting the seeds of the mentality of the Terran Empire into Starfleet, and going take she's the one that takes the 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 organization fully clandestine, and and erases all knowledge that it exists from the official books. Which is a very Giorgio thing to do. Which would be a very Giorgio thing to do. William Sadler, by the way. William Sadler, okay. For some reason, I have Barry Sadler stuck in my head. He's the guy from the Green Beret. But yeah, he, he did a great job in that. And, and I think there was four episodes, three or four episodes of Section 31 that, that uh, got uh, this, the, the series run. Um, great episodes, too. See, it would be a different direction for a truck show because it would cast the Federation as not necessarily good guys. Well, that's one of the things that a lot of people are upset about with Picard. And, and even the showrunners, the Kirkman them have said, yeah, we've pretty much taken the whole Roddenberry kind of thing just thrown it right out the window. We're just going full on, you know, drama and action and, and it's darker, you know, a little bit. Because Seven of Nine executes somebody, mm-hmm. you know, just blows her away, which is awesome, you know. <sighs> I'm going to go ahead and out of the limb here and say Gene Roddenberry yep. has some great ideas. Gene Roddenberry in his later years, some not so good ideas. <laughs> uh, original series Trek is great. Um, yep. Some of his ideas that he tried to incorporate into the first few seasons of Next Generation. Yep. Um, little uh, space hippie. Oh yeah, he was, uh, he was very much. He had become a humanist in, in his time. No interpersonal conflict. No interpersonal. I want you to write drama, but we can't have any drama. Yeah. So write me a drama series with the main cast of nine people who all get along swimmingly. Yes, they have no I have no gripes at all. No gripes. Well, you know, 
Roddenberry is the father of Trek. No one's going to argue that. No one's going to doubt that. Um, but to say that Trek is what it is today and that it has survived 50 years because of Gene Roddenberry, no. I will disagree with that all day yeah. long. That is because of all the other people who were dedicated to Star Trek and were willing to change Trek over the years. Things have to change. if it's, Otherwise, it's just going to you know, stagnate and die. Look at uh, um, uh, Lost in Space. Up till up till now, any attempt to reboot Lost in Space has been not good because they've tried to really just make the original thing again. Now the new series, which is a whole different topic, but I love the new series, so hopefully there, there's there's some stuff there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, the popularity of Trek and the fact that we still have it 50 years later is a, a, a tantamount to everybody else that is their loved, and not just you. Fair point. Um, the next series we know is coming. Lower Decks. Lower Decks. The first Star Trek animated series nope. in like 30 years. Oh, yes. In the, not, not ever, but it's been what? Since like the 80s? No, 70s. Shit, okay, in like 40 years? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so this is set to... Uh, it's an animated series. Again, no date set. Apparently they don't like setting dates for they stuff like being released. Dates, no. um, will consist of 10 30-minute episodes. Um, basically following a group of ensign uh, uh, people on a starship who are not the bridge crew. Yeah, so... Uh, I've got, He's making some twitches. <laughs> I've, got, I've got mixed emotions on this one. Okay. For a number of different reasons. Talk it through. So first and foremost, this is not a new idea. No. There's an episode of Next Generation called, I think, Lower Decks. Huh. Uh... Or below decks, or something like that, where uh, the entire episode focuses on junior officers on the Enterprise, not bridge crew. Now, I don't like this episode. <laughs> I don't like this episode at all because all of the um, the 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 junior officers are nothing but primary cast clones. Oh, okay. And from what I'm reading in character descriptions, some of, some of these are a little bit because we've got a Riker clone. We've got a Geordi clone, even equipped with uh, cybernetics. Call that. Uh, <laughs> so it, it seems to me like we've got a little bit of a next-gen kind of character archetype clone. Second of all, it's by the writers of Rick and Morty. Now, I love Rick and Morty. All right. Rick and Morty's great. Uh, and I'm all for irreverent humor and stuff, so I'm I'm not condemning it for this. Curious to see how it's going to play. Because it's going to be some kind of an adult comedy kind of a thing, kind of an adult swim. Mm-hmm. Is what I'm picturing. It's a cartoon, but it's not for kids. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not serious Trek either. Right. It's kind of poking fun at some stuff. So we'll see how it is. Um, now, one thing I do like that that is interesting is so Picard um, is. Well, I got this here. Um, Picard is set in the year 2399. Okay. It's set 20 years after the events of Nemesis, okay. which is 2379. Okay. Take your word for it. Yeah. So Lower Decks is set in 2380. It's the year after the Nemesis events. Okay. So immediately after the destruction of Romulus and Remus. Or actually, no. Um, no, immediately after the Shinzon thing. So, yeah. yeah, I I don't... Did I? I didn't look up when the Hobus... No, yeah, I did. So the Hobus star... Where is that? Did I write down when it collapsed? I did not write down when it collapsed because past me is a stupid ass. I think our listeners will forgive you for not having an exact point on that. So, um, but, yeah, so setting it right after Nemesis, when you have Picard doing um, 20 years after the fact, is interesting. 
because you're going to run into some of the events that Picard is talking about if it goes long enough. Um, it's set on a California-class ship called uh, the uh, what's that here? The USS Saratos. Don't know what a California-class ship it's is. It's a new class. Yeah, right? we've yeah. not seen it before. But it is not only is it not the bridge crew, but it is not a frontline vessel. Yeah, it's like a work support vessel thing. This sounds to me a lot like a Star Trek version of Red vs. Blue. Red vs. Blue, the Halo oh. animated series. I never watched it. Okay, so the first season of Red vs. Blue, to sum it up for you, there's a blue team and there's a red team. They each have a base in the end of a boxed-in gulf uh, uh, gulch. Uh, they don't know why they're fighting each other, but they're fighting each other because there's a red team and there's a blue team. This is the one that parodied the multiplayer, right? Yes. Okay. And it's mostly about them not fighting each other and just dicking around. Okay. Yeah. What we're going to get, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I, I look forward to watching it. I'll watch it. Uh, I got mixed feelings going into it. That's fair. That's fair. Yes. Yeah, this one is, is a bit of a curveball. It could be great. It could be terrible. Again, if this was like an animated show for kids, trying to get kids into track, I could see it much more. But like you said, this is it's yeah. an animated series, but this is not for kids. Yeah. So. Because one of the things with the animated series back in the 70s was they were they were episodes. They were full on. They even had uh, most of the, the, the cast doing the voices. Yeah. You know, uh, James Dewitt, I think, did like 30-some voices for the, for the cartoon. But they were episodes. They weren't. It wasn't a cartoon to make fun of it. It wasn't trying to make jokes or anything like that. Yeah, humor, but nothing more than you would see in the the actual live action of the things. So I don't know what to think of this one. Alrighty. So that's what we know is coming down the pipeline mm-hmm. at some point. Because again, see this as lengthy as things a date. Um, <laughs> so now we're going to get into a little more speculation. What is rumored to be coming? Uh, the things we don't know, we don't know. And I'm just going to get the one that we actually give a shit about. Uh, the one thing to come out of all the CBS All Access stuff that I think can say we can say definitively was a home run, and yes, please give me more of that, Captain Pike. Oh, yes. Oh, God, yes. Uh, long rumored since pretty much he stepped into the show is, so for those of you not in the know, First of all, congrats for making it this far into the episode if you're not a Star Trek fan. <laughs> yes. uh, but Pike was the captain of the Enterprise before Kirk, yes. and he served for many years as the captain of the Enterprise before Kirk became captain. So there's a long story, or, or long several years of missions and things we can, we can have the Enterprise, and Spock can even be in the show, but without getting into Kirk and Spock and the original crew that we know of, yep. uh, it could still be Adventures of the Enterprise. Yep. Um, Pike was a fun character, injected some much-needed humor. And to uh, mount, knock that role out of the park. He nailed it. He was fun. Uh, he reminded me a lot of uh, Jonathan Archer, with since he just likes adventuring around the universe. Um, Star Trekking across, across the, the universe. universe. And now you know what song's going to be at the end of this episode. <laughs> uh, so the thought of getting a series that follows him and his Enterprise crew um, Hopefully, those badass uh, new designs, old school uniforms, yes. would be amazing. Um, but none of this is actually confirmed. It's no. all just rumor and speculation. Yeah, I don't even think I don't think Anson Mount has actually been officially approached yet to do it. Uh, I know there's been talks. I know he has said he would do it in a heartbeat. 
but I don't I don't think even like if there's been no official call or contract negotiations or any, anything that. like that. Uh, I would love to see it. We have seen a little bit more with uh, Pike's uh, Enterprise in one of the short treks okay. in seasons two and three. Uh, one of them, it, it's an episode. It, it's actually where Spock comes aboard the ship for the first time, and uh, number one Una is is there to meet him, which uh, Rebecca Romaine Stamos or it's Rebecca Romaine. Yeah, yeah, she drops Stamos. Um, she uh, uh, plays a really good that role. For those that don't know, in the original pilot for the Cage, this character was played by Major Barrett Roddenberry, um, and. She did a great job with it in what we do see her with Silver in Discovery Season 2. Uh, there is a there's a really cool thing in this episode because when Spock, you know, he's like, he talks really loud, you know, he's like, uh, Lieutenant Spock reporting for duty, and she's like, you don't have to shout, Lieutenant. And it's a nod to the cage because if you watch the original pilot, Leonard Nimoy is like shouting all of his lines. I don't know why he was doing it that way in the original pilot, but he did. Okay. And so they, they poke fun at that. And then the, 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 the gist of the, the episode is they get stuck in a turbo lift in the duration, and they're, they're doing questions. And at one point, we end, or we, we wind up with Rebecca Romaine Stamos, sorry, Rebecca Romaine, I'm confused with the other cadence, um, singing, I am the very model of a modern major general. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, but th- th- there's a plot hole in this whole thing because they're stuck there and they're waiting for the engineering crew to try and get the thing unlodged and stuff. So they're stuck in an elevator. They're stuck in an elevator. Stuck in an elevator in a series that has transporters. Why don't they just beam them out? Have them go about their business and the engineering staff fix the tra- f- fix the turbo. Because then they don't get bored and you don't get Rebecca Romaine singing "I Am the Very Model of the, the, the Thing You Said." <laughs> <clears throat> That's why, Scott, <laughs> never let logic get in the way of a good story. Well, damn it. They should. I know. Sometimes. Uh, so, the next thing on the rumored, and I'm tempted to put this under the not going to happen category, but who knows. Quentin Tarantino threw his hat <laughs> in the ring of, I want to make a trek. Um, in late 2019, the rumor surfaced Quentin Tarantino wanted to make a trek movie. So, Rumored to be R-rated, directed by Tarantino, and produced by Abrams, with a new different writer whose name I didn't write down. Um, may yeah. never have really been a thing. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think it's ever actually been seriously considered. Yeah, it, it seems to be not happening. Yeah, but now, did the the prospect of a Quentin Tarantino Star Trek ever excite you at all? You know, if if he if he did it, I would love to see it. I would love to see. Star Trek go into Quentin Tarantino, get Tarantinoed, and come back out of Quentin Tarantino. Uh, I would not want it to be canon. <laughs> I would just like to see the movie. I'd like okay. to see what he does. Um, one thing I did like was that somebody apparently had made the statement in defense of him doing the movie, because everybody's you know oh, oh my god it'll just be it'll be Pulp Fiction in space you know and. Somebody tried to defend him and said, no, I'm sure it wouldn't be that. And like, apparently Quentin Tarantino went on record and said, oh, no, it most definitely would be Pulp Fiction in space. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't give a shit about Kelvin timeline nope. or the this or that. Or to him, Trek is the 60s series with those characters on that ship. Yep. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this sounds like a terrible idea from getting to end. I, Quentin Tarantino is... It, it, 
has a very specific style of film he makes. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying anything against him. I love 99.9% of Tarantino's mm-hmm. work. He's a great, amazing filmmaker. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a fantastic fucking movie. Uh, I don't think you can take a filmmaker mm-hmm. with that much personality, with that much of his own style and his characters talk a certain way and his mm-hmm. stories unfold a certain way and I don't think you can mash Star Trek to fit in the Tarantino mold and I don't think Tarantino can un-Tarantino himself <laughs> to make just a Star Trek story how, how the way that a TV director comes in and directs an episode but doesn't completely redo how the redo series is done yeah, they just... fit themselves to the style of the show I can't yeah. see Tarantino at this point in his career doing that well, first of all, how many more times in talking about this can we use Tarantino's name as a verb? But uh, <laughs> we're gonna find out. Um, actually, it was uh, it was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that actually made me uh, want to to see a, a Tarantino trek because a I don't care for Pulp Fiction; it's just not my cup of tea. Uh, I love Django Unchained. Um, I love The Hateful Eight. Uh, I don't like. Inglorious Bastards, because it's the biggest bait-and-switch ever in the history of Hollywood, in my opinion. It's a different discussion for a different time, but... I don't blame Tarantino, I'll blame the uh, marketing department. Continue. Okay, um, so, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I, I was talking with Julian about this uh, over the weekend, I describe, even though I'm not you know, usually a big fan of stuff like this, I describe uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as... A very long, because it is a little long, um, love letter to uh, 60s era, you know, Hollywood and, and the studio system of filmmaking, followed by 15 minutes of the most satisfying revisionist history ever filmed. And because that movie is a love letter uh, from Tarantino to that era of Hollywood, Tarantino loves 60s Trek, as you said. I think if he did it, it would still be Tarantino to hell and gone. But it would be a love letter to the original series. And I would like to see it. All I can picture is Kirk and Spock are driving in a, a shuttle and there's a <laughs> random prisoner behind them and Kirk turns around to ask them a question with a phaser in his hand. And the phaser accidentally goes off and the whole next 30 minutes is them freaking out about the dead Klingon in the back of their only it would be whatever derogatory term we use for Klingon in the back of their seat and what are they going to do and they call in some you know uh, uh, the wolf uh, to come clean up the back of the shell before they go back to like that's all I can see and some of you maybe say yeah that'd be amazing sign me up right now and I'm just like no I'm good thanks I don't know I, um, I, I think it would be more in line with uh, with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood even though Tarantino himself said it would be Pulp Fiction his face don't get me wrong if I had Rick and Morty's uh, interdimensional television I would absolutely go to reality where that movie happened because I'm curious to see what that would be uh, but I don't think that's going to happen I think, I think, I think this whole thing is dead I don't think yeah. it was ever really as serious as people wanted to give it credit no. I think Tarantino was just talking out of his ass and people made more of a deal than this was uh, which brings us to the long sad history and we'll make sure I this short because we're getting kind of long um, of Star Trek 4 yeah so the weekend beyond 
hit theaters. Mm-hmm. It was announced by Paramount that Star Trek Four was gonna go ahead. Bring uh, yeah. the cast is coming back. We're gonna bring back uh, Chris Hemsworth to play uh, Papa Kirk, and we're gonna have a story that somehow involves Kirk, Papa Kirk being alive through time travel or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Kirk and Kirk are gonna meet. And okay, cool. And then I think we're both of, this, of like minds of okay, that's interesting. I see where this goes. Uh, then Beyond came out. Beyond bombed in the box office, and the movie F- funding pulled out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the movie went into hiatus for a while. The long and short of it is, a, a Chinese company was about to give Paramount one billion dollars. <laughs> uh, he says with his pinky to his mouth. I exaggerate how I say it, but that was the amount. It was about to to basically flush a billion dollars into Paramount for various productions. Um, and it looks like the reason Paramount jumped the gun on announcing Trek 4 being a greenlit and a go was to calm those investors' nerves to make sure this deal went through. Well, Beyond came out, Beyond bombed, and the funding got pulled. Uh, that was the death nail of Star Trek 4. Paramount literally cannot get the money together to make a Star Trek 4. They already promised uh, so the original cast signed on for three movies, so now to get any of the Enterprise crew back on, you've got to renegotiate. Um, they already promised some pretty hefty figures to Zachary Quinto and Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth, and they're not going to be able to pay those salaries. It's not going to happen. Um, it's the long, sad, or shortened, very, still very sad history of that. But then we got some interesting news. Um, Noah Hawley, the guy who created the Fargo series and the Legion series for FX, um, is working on some kind of Trek project that may or may not be Trek 4. This is reported on uh, the end of last year um, that he was attached to write and direct a fourth Trek movie. In an interview with him, uh, he said that he was working on something Trek, but the OG crew and cast may or may not be involved. Uh, And as of this week, Simon Pegg, in an interview, basically confirmed that he has no idea what this project is and that the original cast has not been approached. So there may be another Trek movie in development that doesn't involve the Enterprise crew. Well, the way I read most of this and and the way I interpret most of the the navigating the mire that is the internet and what comes out is I'm I'm with you, and I'm with Simon Pegg. Uh, Star Trek IV, quote-unquote, with with the, the Abrams cast, if, if that happened, I would be really surprised. I don't think it's going to. Uh, Simon Pegg brings up some interesting points, you know, that um, uh, the Trek movies don't make Marvel money. No. They don't. Um, no. And right now, if with that cast, you've got both uh, Zoe uh, Saldana mm-hmm. and uh, who's the other one from the Marvel movies? There's another one there. Went to a bunch of Marvel movies. Uh, Chris Helmsworth. Yeah. You know, they're in Marvel movies. They make Marvel money. So just having them both in the movie just raises your price mm-hmm. so much. Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, of course, not you know nothing to sneeze at as far as their careers. So you know they they cost a pretty penny just to get them back. So right now, putting those actors in a movie is you you've got to just like Simon Pegg says to have them in a movie, you've got to clear a lot so more many schedules. Yeah, exciting schedules and money and renegotiate contracts yeah. with every single one of them. And that's not even to bring up the fact that we sadly lost Anton Yelchin. Yeah. Um, so you've either got to figure out how to write Chekhov out of it or recast Chekhov uh, they, or they do it in somehow address that Chekhov's not around anymore. Yeah. Um, and that's if you can get the money together to make this happen. Make it happen. Yeah. Which, and again, now that Paramount and CBS are no longer separate entities. 
Uh, and there's even even the whatever the new company is called, uh, CBS Enterprises or something like that, um, has a new president, a new person in charge who yep. is not as anti-Trek as the previous one was. Well, so good. even yeah, even if this was a priority, um, it's even if they get the funding together, it's still a long shot. Yeah. And, and and if they could, and we'll go ahead and segue. Um, our final topic, we'll end the show with is what do we want from Trek? Yeah. And um, one thing I have is I'd love to see more Trek movies, but just like Simon Pegg pointed out, you can't be Marvel. Yes. You can't. 343, yeah, $343 million box office gross is no small matter unless your movie costs $200 million to make. If yeah. your movie cost $75 million and made $343 million in the box office, now you're looking at a profit. You're looking at a profit, which is what happened between Star Trek The Motion Picture and Star Trek Two. Motion Picture didn't do well, so they greenlit a second movie, but the budget was substantially less. I looked it up uh, specifically for this. Until the 2009 reboot, the largest budget for any Trek movie was $70 million. As soon as the 2009 Trek starts, we're in the $100 million plus category. Mm-hmm. And and it keeps going. I think uh, 2009 was 100 and Thirty million, then one hundred and sixty million, and then uh, the last one was one hundred and eighty whatever million dollars to produce. Yeah, well, you've got to find a way to make these movies with lower budgets. Yes, and you're not going to do it with uh, two of your primary characters uh, in uh, the mainstream Marvel movies and uh, the actors in mainstream Marvel movies, and one of your primary actors, you know, in uh, the, the the two Wonder Woman movies. Not to mention his well, other stuff in there, but. I think, barring all that, yeah, we're. I believe we're going to get another Trek movie. Uh, I don't believe it's going to be a continuation. It's not going to be Star Trek Four. It's right. going to be a continuation. Um, it is also going to hinge on how well Picard finishes out, how well Discovery season three goes. Mm-hmm. I don't think Lower Decks is going to have a big impact on it. No, it, it, it's not. Uh, but you know, Picard Discovery. If they continue to do well, we're going to get another Trek movie. Um, but and and it, with regards to uh, what's his name, the new guy, uh, I can't remember his name. Holly, uh, yeah, Holly. Yeah. Uh, he's he's developing it. He's very hesitant to say no, it won't be this. But everything he says, he's tap dancing around the subject. Yes, uh, I don't think he wants to do uh, a continuation. I don't think he wants to do Star Trek Four. I think he wants to do something new. He's a fan of the original series. Uh, I don't even think it'll be Enterprise. No, and that's that's the thing is, we got three movies. Two out of the three are pretty dang good. Yeah. Um, Star Trek has long proven you don't need the Enterprise, you don't need that original crew, to make a Trek thing that people like and can make money off. Of. Yes, once Deep Space Nine and Voyager hit, you successfully broke out of needing the Enterprise. Yes. Uh, so I am. And even before going to get in the way back machine, before Star Trek the motion picture was a thing, it was being developed as Star Trek Phase Two, another yep. TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Trek necessarily needs movies anymore. The landscape has changed so much. I think streaming services is the budget conscious way to continue forward telling lots of Trek stories yes. and different points in the Trek timeline. I'd love to see a movie, but I yeah. don't know if right now that's the that's the way for Paramount to go forward. It, it, it's not. They need to concentrate on their streaming service and their TV presence. I, I agree with that. However, and I'm going to segue, use this to segue into one of the things I want to see. Uh, I do want to see another Star Trek movie. 
but I want to see I want to see the DS9 crew get a movie. Uh, you know, next gen got movies. Uh, the original series, of course, got movies. I don't think D Space Nine, if it did really well, okay, maybe you could do another one. But I just want to see them get a movie because I want to see them wrap up the Cisco storyline. What happened to Cisco? There's, there's just like the, the thing, you know, they mm-hmm. showed in the thing. There was, there's too much that they left hanging. Yeah, it needs to be revisited. The, uh, the, the, the episode that the writers broke in, in, in that special. Yeah. was phenomenal. I, I, I loved that. If like, you're a DS9 that. fan, there's a great documentary called What We Left Behind. What We Left Behind, yeah. Um, part of which is they bring back some of the original writers, uh, and they sit around and break what would season eight, episode one be. Yeah. And it's, it's basically a continuation. It's exactly what you're describing. It's yeah. a continuation of DS9. If Picard does well, I can see a DS9 series on All Access getting greenlit, a limited series. You're not going to get a movie out of it. I would love to get You're a movie. You're certainly not going to get a theatrical movie based off of the third Star Trek franchise. Yeah. Saying, uh, that's been off the air for how long? Uh, that was nothing. never the most popular of the three series that were on. Yeah. If I'm just being honest here. Again, a streaming service, yeah. uh, maybe a limited like eight episode series. I can definitely. I, I would see that think happening. that too. Yeah, I would think a five, but, yeah. six, eight episode. As yeah. a movie, it's never gonna happen. I know. I would love to see it though, and, and I know that since they did that, uh, what we left behind. I know a lot of those writers left specifically. Uh, what was his name? Ira Barrett. What was his name? Sure. Uh, and uh, Ron Moore have actually, I know, have actually talked about. Hey, do you think we could actually, you know, maybe do something? We could look. So I know it's being looked at. Okay. As potential. Once again, they're not announcing anything, obviously, because CBS and Viacom and everything—they've already got a lot of irons in the fire. And they, there's 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 a lot of reshuffling going around. Yeah. Um, and until we get a clear idea of now that Paramount and Viacom and CBS are all one giant company again, who's in charge of what? What's the priority? Where's the money going? Uh, I think it was announced just this week uh, they're dropping Simon and Schuster from their company portfolio oh, because it, it, it's not a uh, uh, visual media, uh, and that's that's the way they're going forward is you know films and, and streaming and TV and whatnot. So, what's their priority? This is all kind of up in the air. Um, so there's a lot of yeah. question marks here. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of stuff. Something else I do want to see going forward with Trek. Somebody. Needs to figure out how to do merchandising for Trek. Damn it. I want phasers. I want tricorders. I want ships. I want... So far, the best thing that we have for Trek, as far as merchandising, is Eagle Moss. The, the, their Starships line. They got some phenomenal stuff there. That, that's, you know, that's the only thing. I want stuff that isn't models of ships. I don't care about models of ships. I don't care about, well, I, I like the models and stuff, but I like the ships. I'm a ship guy. Yeah. You know, I, I like the stuff. I don't get into action figures. I want, so. no, I'm with you. Uh, Trek is a, uh, watch the Toys That Made Us episode for yeah. Star Trek. Oh, God, yeah. It'll, and fill yeah. you in the long, sad history of them not understanding how to market Trek to the fans. Just it, it, You're selling merchandise. How can it be that difficult? Yes. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I'm with you because we were supposed to be getting stuff based on Discovery. Discovery, apparently, and it never happened. McFarland Toys went, "Oh wait, this is going to cost us money to develop. <laughs> we can't do that." <laughs> so here's a couple of dolls of Kirk, yeah, Kirk no, and Picard. I, I'm with you. I want the gear. I want. I want everything. Use tricorders and phasers and communicators, yeah. and I want all that shit. Uh, I want uniforms that aren't 
from Ruby's costuming company, mm. uh, but aren't from companies in China that cost me either a company in China that looks not so great, uh, or it's from uh, Anovos and it cost me eight thousand dollars. Yeah, fuck you guys. In my opinion, Novos is one of the worst things that's happened. Uh, it is the most cosplay overrated company in the is. world. Yeah. It is horribly so. Um, Talk about a company that swallowed its own Kool Aid. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, yeah, give me some. Of, look at the Marvel Legends line of props that they've made. Yeah. The Captain America shield, the Iron Man helmet, Mjolnir, um, the Black Panther mask. I'm sure I'm forgetting some stuff, but they're all ninety nine ninety nine retail price. Yeah. Now they're not one-to-one perfect screen accurate there's some concessions to make there's them concessions made to make playable them, i'll say and to meet the price point yeah, yeah. um the, but they're affordable mm-hmm. and they're not terrible uh as a guy who likes to collect you know weapons um i gotta go secondary market for all this shit and you know how much a 2009 star trek phaser goes for or if you can find oh, yeah. it, how much an Enterprise phase pistol goes for. Yeah, unless you get lucky enough to find one on eBay or eBay Marketplace. Man. Like, you know, 10 bucks. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but, no, yeah. It's I, a it's a merchandising cash cow, but they're is. not taking advantage they of it. fuck it up yes. every time they try. Uh, going back again to the 50th anniversary, they didn't do shit. Yeah. They did absolute Nothing. shit for the 50th anniversary. They did more for the 25th anniversary than the 50th. But once again, it was Paramount that yeah. had it at the time and, and stuff. And it was good. Um, no, I, I don't know. Cats. Star Trek fucking cats. Why do we have Star Trek cats? That's what we're getting. Yep. God, Star Trek cats. Um, so, yeah, I guess to wrap it up, the current state of Star Trek is a bit of a mixed bag. And if there's any theme to it, I would say it's up in the air. There's so many factors, uh, so many, and this is what I hate, so many behind-the-scenes logistics that are holding up the story. Yeah. Uh, which is never what you want to see. Uh, you never want to see something canceled or delayed or you know whatever because of behind-the-scenes negotiation bullshit. That's the worst thing ever. And we live in an age where all of that dirty laundry is now daily internet content. Yes. Uh, so we're all much more hyper aware of what's going They're on. They're hyper aware, and I think a lot of people learned from the Sony email uh, hack. Yeah, a lot of people <laughs> learned from that one. That, that bit them in the ass. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Trek. I think overall the trend is up. It, yeah. it, it's ticking up. We're getting new content. The content we're getting is not horrible. Nope. Uh, they're they're at least starting to come around and acknowledge, hey, we have fans, and they're giving us things that the fans have asked for. Picard. Yeah. Picard. Uh, reuniting at least some of the TNG cast and bringing back uh, uh, characters from Voyager um, for not ignoring the 50 plus year history of Trek uh, other than those three movies we made. Uh, so Yeah, it's, it's overall up, but at the same time, you know, they've got a lot of balls in the air. Yeah. So, we'll see what happens. Alright then, with that, I think we're done. Cool. So thank you if you've made it this far into the episode. Give yourself a gold star. Uh, you are not a red shirt. You are important to us. Yeah. Uh, this has been Commander Scott. Hello. I've been Fourth Ensign Red Shirt. <laughs> Leave us out of here, Scotty. Goodbye, cupcake. <laughs>